but you know what else too? Cause like, think about it. The people that you talked to at the beginning, how do you maintain that relationship? Right. Because it could be like a couple of months. And so even something to add, because really it's all a great balance, right? Like you have to be looking at deals, but doing investor calls. And then you also have to be putting out like educational content because those investors at the beginning, how else are they going to know that you're still in it? Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what we did was we wrote blog posts and like put that on our website and we sent out a newsletter and then we were posting that on social media as well. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents podcast, where we talk about now we talk about commercial real estate, we talk about investing, we talk about mindset, we talk about financial freedom, independence, all the fun stuff. And we have just an amazing guest, uh, husband and wife team. They are crushing it across the the pond overseas, and uh, they are making it happen in multifamily commercial real estate investing. So Michael, Susie, thank you very much for joining. How's it going? It's going great, Abel. Thanks so much for having us on the show. And this is really awesome. Really excited to provide value to your listeners, both on Facebook and uh, via your podcast. Yeah. Susie, thank you very much, ma'am. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us on. I am too. Miss Susie Sevier and Mr. Michael Barnhart, they've been coming to our, our meetup and that's kind of how I met them. Uh, we have a meetup on Wednesdays and virtual. And uh, I think they came there. I met them at uh, another event. It was virtual during COVID time. So we're having this good conversation and they're super jazzed about investing and how to get going and how to make it happen. And then, you know, I asked them, Hey, well, what time is on you? Let's set up a time. And they go, well, we're like in the opposite uh, side of the world right now. I go, what, <laughs> where are y'all at? Where are y'all located right now? We're in the UK. So we're in Cambridge, England. We're about an hour north of London. An hour north of London. So I love it. And when they told me that, I go, well, I guess whatever time's available for you. They're like, well, this time's good. Anyways, I, I just, it was amazing. I don't know why I was shocked. I shouldn't be. The beauty of commercial real estate investing passively and syndication is the ability to invest outside of the market that you live in. And they are a pure prime example of how to make that happen. And also really just making it happen in a big way. So I'm excited to share their story a little bit. So Mr. Michael Barnhart, Susie, let me turn it over to you for a second. Uh, why don't you just tell us, you know, give us a good introduction, tell us who you are and what you do, and we'll just start there. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael and I are even all the way across the pond because Michael is 
active duty Air Force. And so he's getting his PhD over at the University of Cambridge. And so that is what has brought us here. Um, so before we were in Colorado, Michael was teaching. And then once we return, we will go back to Colorado Springs again so that Michael can finish out his career as a professor at the Air Force Academy. And so nice. while he is just being a beast over here, right, in the biochemistry <laughs> department, um, I am a program manager for a biotech company over here, um, which has actually been really cool, like working for a global company, just like learning how much different like the workplace is from the UK to the US has been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. that is a little bit about us. That's awesome. Well, thank you for your service, Michael. And uh, Susie, that's awesome. I guess the biotech side of it. Also, I, I worked with a company for years, uh, about 10 years, a company called Rackspace, and they had an office in the UK. So it was across the pond and everyone said, cheers, cheers. And uh, <laughs> And it was on that. It was it was a different culture. It was a different uh, entity, a different you know group of folks. We all had the same common goal, but it was just the little differences here and there. It was really cool to see that culture and you know work with them. They worked at night, uh, our <laughs> nighttime, and vice versa. So we were twenty four hours that we served clients. But that's uh, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear. So biotech. What in the world? What are you doing over there? Yeah, so I'm in the supply chain department. So actually, like our big thing right now is that we're moving a warehouse in the Netherlands just to be able to like keep up with the growth. But my company is all on like the impact on human health. And so we make like DNA sequencing machines and we're just, I guess, like all about science is the best way to put it, you know, and just making sure that like women with infertility issues or any genetic issues, like we are just creating the machines to like break it down a little to be able to figure out more about how like doctors in the world can like help with those issues. That is awesome. I don't know much about, you know, what you do. However, I did uh, in tech when the infrastructure became available, computer hardware tech, Back in the days, 10, 15 years ago, before it, it, you know, before super fast, super ultra, you know, fast processing, it used to take like, it cost like a million bucks or something to break down a genome. And now it costs like five grand. And mm -hmm. the difference of a million dollars to break one down 20 years ago versus today, $5,000 or something less has created this super amazing opportunity for companies and, and people like you to kind of do what y'all do and serve, which makes a massive you know, impact on humanity. I love it. So that's really cool that you get to have that impact. And then I, I think about those, the, you know, that's length of time. That's the same length of time before we were allowed to do syndications. Syndications were new, like in 2012, as things change, new opportunity comes about, people have the opportunity to capitalize and I know you're definitely doing that. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but thanks for letting me share it. So Michael, thank you for your service, brother. Thanks, Abel. I appreciate the support. Thank you for your service. Man, thank you very much. And so tell me a little bit about your side. So you're going to be so Air Force. And then what else did you mention? You're something crushing it over there too. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know, as I'm approaching like the back end of my career in the Air Force, I'm moving into a more non, you know, non-traditional military career. I spent, um, you know, before coming here, I spent several years teaching at the Air Force Academy of Genetics and Molecular Biology. And they, they want me to continue teaching. So they yeah. sent me to get a PhD. And so now I'm, that's that's why I'm awesome. here. 
get a PhD and then I'll return back to the academy where I finish out my military career as and, a civilian. Uh, as a civilian. Well, I'll I'll return back as still as a, as a military member. Uh, okay, okay. Finish out my twenty years. Uh, there. Oh, okay, okay. That'll be okay. my last I, tour. Yeah, I get it. They're like, hey, we don't want to send you. To, you're you're not uh, you're too smart for this. I need you to teach everyone. So let's go get your PhD. And I want you. I'm going to spend your rest of your your twenty years here in service as as an educator. A smart mind. What a smart couple. You guys are. <laughs> you all usually get that kind of response when you tell people what you do. I'd love to say yes, but right when Michael says PhD at the University of Cambridge, people are like, yeah. what? What do you mean? <laughs> you know? Well, I think both of y'all. I mean, geez. So anyways, this is this is. I'll awesome. tell you, so, I'll tell you one ahead. thing, Abel, just real quick. Like, it didn't come from, I don't know if you saw my LinkedIn post, but it didn't come from getting the highest test scores or getting the highest grades in class, right? It was the constant showing up, the constant working really, really hard at something and being present all the time and working towards those goals, right? That's what it came from. I, I don't have some raw talent where I can just score really high on tester or get really good grades and things like that. I had to work for it, right? Yeah, I love hearing that because some people might say, oh, well, you know, if I, I wish I was only that smart. I, hate, I, I don't like hearing that. Or I wish I was in his position or I wish my dad was this or I wish that background. I go, hey, man, it wasn't. <laughs> you didn't have it. So what are you going to do? I mean, your your kids, do you want them saying, I wish my dad was that too? Or do you want to do that and get after it? And so the grind, the perseverance, the dedication, the, like you said, showing up every single day to make it happen. And then when friends or family or people are doing something else, you know, you're probably studying and grinding and reading and, you know, educating others and sharing. It's, it's a, man, it's a, it's a feat. And a lot like the stuff we're doing here in, in the commercial real estate side, it's just, it's not rocket science. It's just the dedication and perseverance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. You know, let's, let's talk about you all here. How, how in the world did you stumble upon commercial real estate and multifamily investing? How did that first start for you all? What'd you, what'd you do? How'd you learn it? What, what, where'd you find it? Yeah, that's a great question. So it all started because of COVID-19 and the lockdowns. Cool. So for the first one, we had no idea how long it was going to last. And with Michael doing like wet lab research, he had to come home and not be in the lab at that time because no one was working like in a workplace. And Michael and I don't have a TV just because we have made that decision because we don't want the distraction. So I had said to him like, let's do a mini book club with each other. <laughs> and the first book was The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. You know, that book just talks about being 1% better every day. So, of course, at the end, we looked at all his book recommendations and bought quite a few. And one of those books was Multiple Streams of Income. And in that book, Robert Allen talks about real estate investing. And Michael had just looked at me and he's like, we've got to do this. You know, it was like very like he saw he wanted to pounce on the prey. He's like, this is ours. <laughs> and so... Like that's where the idea came. But from there, it was like listening to podcasts, finding more books about it. And then one brave day, like Michael made a Facebook post in a Facebook group that had to do with real estate investing. And a lot of people commented on it and said like, yes, you can do it. Here are some other people doing it from overseas. And through that comment section, I guess somebody's like, hey, there's a conference coming up soon, right? It was Bill Allen's Veterans REI Conference. And during that conference, we learned about 
multifamily real estate investing. We learned about short-term rentals. We learned about burrs and fix and flips and house hacking. And in that time, like Whitney Sewell was the one talking about multifamily. And that's really where the seed was planted, like for Michael, because Whitney Sewell, because we had like a one-on-one-ish with him. And he said, like, you don't have to start with single family. You can go straight into multifamily. But because everyone was talking about single family and how like that's what you do when you first start, we went to take that approach. We had set up a team and everything like in a Midwest city and an inland hurricane went through and we never thought that that was going to happen. And so the two properties that we had under contract fell out of escrow because we couldn't get the financing due to not being able to get contractor bids and we couldn't get contractor bids because they were working on rebuilding the city which was totally fine and understandable. But so then Michael and I like looked back at our five-year goals, which were going to be like buy 25 single family homes and 10, sell them 1031 into a multifamily. And he was just like, he had remembered what Whitney Sewell had said, where he was like, okay, well you can just start with multifamily. So yeah, we jumped in. Yeah. And like from there, yeah, we just started going to then to like different meetups and that's where, you know, we went to Brian Briscoe's and then we found yours because like, well, for one, the afternoon meetings just work really well with us from the time zone change, but it's like yeah. so much value in those and so many connections and introductions and conferences and other meetups that we found out about through them. That's awesome. Okay. So let me, let's break this down, right? Because, yeah. oh, and uh, real quick, before we even break it down, what are y'all owners in today? What do you own today? So we own 88 unit uh, B minus asset in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Boom. So 88 doors, no single family, passive investing first. No, nope, we didn't. Nope, but just right, let me jump right in. So in other words, <laughs> you're part owner of an 88 unit apartment building, apartment complex. How many millions of dollars was it? Uh, the purchase price is three point or 4.375. You know, $4.3 million, you know, just a little four milli. What's crazy, crazy is before Susie actually owned a single family house ever, like a primary residence or anything, she owned an apartment complex first. A four awesome. million dollar one. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Congratulations. So we're going to ask about this stuff, but for the people that are kind of listening, like, well, I think we have a good split. We have probably syndicators and operators and, you know, investors that want to go put deals together the way you did. So we'll share some nuggets for them. We also got some passive investors that just want to learn like how in the world people can invest in the way we're doing it like that without, you know, you all aren't physically there. So I know there's some W2, some really high earning individuals that light bulbs are going off right now that, that are saying, I don't, they're on the other side of the world. There's literally no physical property management that Michael and Susie can do on this property. How are they doing this? So we'll talk about those two. But I think your avenue to get there is where it's really cool. It's the two books you mentioned, Multiple Streams of Income by Robert Allen. And what was the first one? The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. The Slight Edge. I've heard The Slight Edge, and I think I just heard it on my podcast today. And I, I've never heard of it. At a high level, what does that Slight Edge talk about? So, yeah, it's, it's just basically talking about being 1% better every day. Well, right. Okay, that, I heard the concept. Basic, Many people yeah, have told me that. Basically compounds over a period of time, right? So yes. whether it is like read 10 more pages or work out for five more minutes or like add whatever, 10 more pieces of spinach, you know, whatever that may be. It's just like whatever that 1% a little bit, 
you just like compound it to get to the places yeah. that you want to be. My wife's consuming a podcast, a happiness podcast, and it's like 1% happier a day. Just 1%. Love it. And uh, I think that's the name of the title. Forgive me. Uh, but she, you know, really tells me those insights. I go, man, that's really helpful. Just 1% every day. I'll be a little bit happier every day. Anyways, the multiple streams of income by Robert Allen. I think I've heard of that one, but I already, you know, there's the, there's the book. There's the concept. Tell us about multiple streams of income, the book or the process. So investors can, can get this. Yeah. So the book is kind of broken down into three different sections. And the first section is all about the stock market. And he breaks down different, different ways to invest in the stock market, index funds, you know, option trading, things like that. You know, he talks about like the really stable stuff and then getting too risky. Right. Um, and he kind of does the same thing. The second part is all about real estate. And then the third part is all about like marketing yourself and like what you can do, like write a book or like, you know, affiliate marketing, things like that, just to get those little trickles, you know, because those trickle trickles of income come together and they form larger and larger streams and then eventually rivers, right? Yeah. But yeah, getting to that, uh, second, yeah. getting to that second part of real estate, the first part, you know, I was like, the first part about stock market, I was like, cool, yep, invest in the stock market. Second part, real estate, we're like, man, he makes it sound really, really easy. I was like, we could definitely do this, right? Obviously, it's not as simple. I mean, but if you put in the work, it is. It can be very simple, right? You just have to put the put the work in to get educated and actually take action. Like having um, a PhD, and you know, from Cambridge, it's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes, it's exactly. Not, it, he's you know, Michael wasn't. He didn't have the PhD going in. You're a normal, regular, everyday guy, but you did it every single day, and you took it, and you you know, consumed yep. the education and learned it, and then now you are. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. And so the saying, oh, that sounds pretty simple. Let's build the multiple streams of income. And I love that summary that you gave. Multiple streams of income turn into rivers. And that's what we want. We want these little bitty streams of income to turn rivers. I've heard, you know, somewhere that the average millionaire has like seven streams of income or something like that. My buddy told me that when we did our first I was a co-founder for a small tech company while I was at work working full-time and we started a small tech company and co-founders there and just kind of started it because we go, yeah, well, I need another stream of income. Like, wh why should I not do that? I already had, yeah. a, I had a couple of properties, smaller houses that we were renting out. And I was like, oh, I got one, two, three streams of income. I need another one. And uh, <laughs> people at work were like, you're doing another startup? Like, yeah. When I go uh, Monday through Friday from, you know, 6 p.m. till 10 or 11 and then Saturdays and Sundays, <laughs> if yeah. we're like, OK, hey, you want to watch the game? I go, no, nah, I don't have any time for the game. Yeah. You want to go over here to the week, you know, for the weekend? No, nah, don't have any time. And uh, anyways, that's that's kind of how we got started on a bunch of different stuff. Just extra hours, right? Absolutely. Hey, well, that, I mean, yeah, that's. I basically sums up like, you know, what we're doing over here, doing real estate is, is a full-time job and, uh, and you just have to find the time, uh, to make it, you know, your full-time. So Susie and I, we work from like nine to six, um, roughly. And then, you know, we can wake up at five, work from five to nine on the business. Um, and we have our habits that we do in the morning, but, and then when we get home at six then six to whenever, right. Luckily when we get home at six, it's noon central time where our market is, right? Yeah, yeah. So we get yeah. the whole afternoon to work, right? So oh, sometimes awesome. I'm on. I forgot about your benefit of time. Like I love yeah. it. So it's like sometimes daytime. So midnight or one a.m. or two a.m. Just uh, you know, hashing out things with lenders or or other 
other vendors, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Y'all sold. You know it is. This is the normal time. I I usually work till after 12, 1 a.m. too. Uh, but it's usually at nighttime. My kids are asleep. Everyone's asleep and gone. And I'm just kind of planning. Anyways, this is uh this is awesome. So from a perspective of the way you got started, you read those books, you realized multiple streams of income, you took a leap, I heard, well, a podcast, and then a group post. What was the post that you put out there? I what think, was it? I think it was so it was on uh Dave Prey's like military millionaire, like his platform, and I was just like Hey, I'm overseas in England looking to do some long distance investing. These are the mm. books I've read. These are, this is the kind of, you know, uh, strategies we're looking at pursuing. Yeah. Anybody have any suggestions or something like that? And then, uh, well, yeah. That when you more. said that was a leap, was that because y'all are pretty introverted or not naturally extroverted or you're not social? You didn't put stuff out on social before or what is it? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think a big part of it too, is that like, we weren't hearing a lot of people investing from overseas. So okay, it was like, okay. will this actually work? Are yeah. there other people out there? Like, can we do it? I mean, there is a level of introversion as well, right? Like, because what was going to happen after that, where we were like, would people even respond? Yeah. You know, like it's a yeah. whole like number of limiting beliefs, I guess, within the one post. Yeah. Hello. Hello. You're listening to the five talents podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're going to show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating. I'm going to give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. So, okay. I understand now the leap even more, right? It was like, hey, you know, can we do this, invest overseas? But uh, now when I think about the social part of what you all are doing, you taking that, you connected with some folks. Sounds like you spent some money somewhere along the way, or if not money, put it invested in a lot of time, conferences, education, meetups, learning. Why, why do all that stuff? Why was that necessary for you? So it was necessary for us for a couple of reasons. So like the first one was because we being over here, like people already thought it was like kind of weird. Right. So we knew we had to be consistent and what consistency means for us is like showing up in the spaces over and over and over so that people knew that we were serious, right? Because with multifamily investing, I mean, especially syndications and being on the general partnership team, like you also have to be able to raise money. And that was something that we knew was going to come from like our outside network because our friends and family were not going to be the ones investing with us. Yeah. So there was the whole aspect of we have to get to know all these people because the touch points are more important, especially for us being so far away. 
But then also like once we found out like what real estate investing can actually do, like we knew that we had to be in the space, right? Like the impact that you can make while leveraging real estate just blows my mind. I mean, I know for Jeff Olson's book, we were talking about like being 1% better every day, but like think about it in this way, like, right? So there are almost 8 billion people on this planet. And if all of us were just like gave a 1% impact to somebody in our lives, think about how astronomical those positive impacts would go, right? Like it would create a great ripple. And so once we figured that out, like, oh, wow. Like if we can impact the families in the assets, our limited partners, like other general partners who just need introductions, all of those are impacts and all of those are important because together we're all doing like these great things to make a difference really in the world. That's awesome. I love the way you're, you're talking about it. And it is more than investing and making some money, but there's a way to have a serious impact in a lot of different ways. Even if you're not, you don't really go out for impact. If you think about all the jobs and all the uh, streams of income that our investments provide uh, and and help the literal community that the, the people that are living there, the renters in that community, and then the community outside of that apartment complex, our investors, number one, are doing well. And think about the dreams that they're achieving or their child's you know, college education or their uh, future retirement. So you're affecting every one of their personally. But then, you know, when when you send an offer out, there's a broker and the broker's family is yeah. impacted. And then you have the lawyers, the lawyers that are writing all the stuff up and their families that are impacted. Property, you know, condition assessment, the engineers, the contractors, the people helping with rehab, the property managers, the people that are working on site. Now you have all the residents in the community that are there. We're investing a lot of money in addition to buying it, but we're usually putting in rehab and making it better. So it's nicer. It's a nicer, it's more mm -hmm. uh, safer, comfortable, uh, clean in a nice, you know, working class. Even if it's not luxury, it's nicer than, than when, we, when we bought it. And then it improves the property values all the way around and, you know, better, better, uh, community, lower crime rate, all the good stuff. So that's, that's awesome. I love it. Right. And like that return on impact is like immeasurable, right? Like you can yeah. never actually figure out what that is all worth. And then with that too, like we're also, because we're like impacting so many people, mm -hmm. like we're all, mm -hmm. we're also creating an environment where people are then like hopefully thriving instead of just surviving. Right. Like mm. there's like that level too. Cause when you no longer even have to just think about your basic need, which is shelter, like everything just yeah. Your, everything you about your back. mind changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once your basic needs and then you have overflow or abundance, yep. now you can actually give to other people. And there, it, you're right. It's immeasurable. I love that. I love that. Okay. This is awesome. So <laughs> how in the world did you buy an 88 unit apartment complex? Tell me in the what in the world? How does this happen? Wait, well, don't you know, you just go and you, you search it and then you submit an <laughs> offer and then you close. That's it. <laughs> And I, and I love it. And you, you know, I know you say it kind of out there a little, maybe a little facetiously, but at the same time, it is like, it is actually that kind of simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once you learn the mechanics and what you're doing. So yeah, tell, tell us about your process. How did this happen? Yeah. So, you know, first just getting into the market was a challenge, you know, being overseas. We knew that, you know, I could do acquisitions. I can do underwriting. I learned how to underwrite, taught myself, read everything I could. 
learned how to talk to brokers, how to engage with them. And Susie was working on the other piece, our thought leadership platform, our marketing, and, and, and also dealing with all the investors, right? Like uh, reaching out to more and more investors. And so we knew that we could do majority of it. However, one piece that we were missing was a boots on the ground partner, right? We need somebody there to walk the asset, touch the asset, take pictures for us, basically do everything you know we need them to do that we can't do physically, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with COVID and the, the travel restrictions, things like that. And so we, we found a boots on the ground partner. And, um, and then from there, you know, we just started, you know, connecting with more and more brokers, submitting more and more LOIs. Um, and then we were submitting LOIs with one broker and he brought us another deal. We, we underwrote the deal. We walked the property, well, our boots on the ground, walked the property. They really liked the property. Um, we really liked the property, but it just wasn't there financially um, when we first looked at it. Um, so we kind of followed it for a couple of months actually, and kept coming back to it. Right. Broker kept sending updated financials. And then finally, like October last year, it was finally stabilized for like two months. I was like, okay, cool. It's on the right track. Um, of course, everybody else noticed that at the same time. And everybody submitted LOIs at the same time because they all wanted agency debt, right? Because if it was trending towards, you know, three months of uh, stabilization, then they can obtain agency debt. And so, um, yeah. But luckily, because the partners we had on our team as well, that uh, so... Let me back up a little bit. We also, in addition to our boots and ground partner, we also had a mentor um, who actually knew the submarket and the market really well, right? And just an organic mentor that I met through networking, that we met through networking. Yeah. And I just kind of continued to build a relationship with them. And then I was like, you know, hey, would you mind like looking over, you know, my underwriting? We can chat about it maybe like once a week or something like that. Um, you know, he owns assets in the area. Um, he knows the underwriting. He knows the market really well. And so he's looking over my underwriting and he's also done deals with some of the brokers we were engaging with. So now we submitting an LOI on this property and our partner, uh, our mentor, um, who's also a member of the general partnership team had also done some deals with the broker. And so he knew that we can close on the deal. And so that kind of gave us an edge up, if you will, a slight edge. Um, And so, and uh, yeah, so anyways, we ended up getting the property under contract and then you know, carrying it all the way through, you know, the capital raise and then through closing. And uh, Susie can talk about the capital raise if, if you want to hear more about that and, and how fun I'd, that is. I'd um, love to hear how somebody raises a million or two million bucks to go do a deal. Have you all ever raised capital before? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's, uh, you have any series seven licenses or FINRA licenses, or you have any uh, brokerage, you know, super, Powers over there, not, no certificate, nothing of that stuff. Just raise a couple of million bucks. Okay, just showing up, just showing up every day. That's it. That's, that's all right. Power. I'm here. I'm. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take notes. I was interested in your part, Mike, but I'm gonna take more notes as Susie talks, if you don't mind. Okay, how do you raise two million bucks? What What in the world happened? Ray, so there's a couple of things. Like one, like I said earlier, was the consistency. So showing up in the space so people knew we who we were, and then doing what we said we were actually gonna do. Right. So. That gains trust in itself, but along with those two items, we had to do like 20 to 25 calls a week. And so these weren't always just half hour calls, right? Because I want to get to know these people. So sometimes it was five, six hours of calls, like after we had already completed a whole entire work day. And we did that for months because like we knew that we didn't just want people just, I guess, being a part of these opportunities, but not knowing what they were getting into. But we also wanted to make sure it was a good fit. So it was just a lot of calls 
over and over and over and just asking people, why do you want to invest in real estate? Like, what are you like, what do you want out of this? Like, what do you want more than just money? You know, like, and that's where the conversations got really, really deep. And that's when like those connections were truly formed, even from, you know, 4,000, 5,000 miles away. But it was like putting in the late nights and the early mornings, because like even with real estate at the beginning, you don't see money right away. Right. So it's being consistent and showing up and doing what you say you're going to do, because you're also taking care of people, you know, like, like you said, investors' monies and the families and the communities. So like making sure that the people wanted to be part of that as well. Yeah. I love it. We knew like we, we had talked to several industry experts and they said, Hey, listen, on your first deal, only about 10% of your investors list is going to invest with you. So we're like, okay, well, if we're going to bring 500 K to a deal, we know we need at least 10 investors. Therefore, to multiply that by 10, either 10%, whatever, it's 100 people. We need 100 people on our list if we're going to bring 500K at a $50,000 minimum. And so and it actually ended up turning out um, that we ended up, uh, 10% of our list actually ended up investing in our first deal, which is pretty incredible, like uh, spot on. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, so that's awesome. These are a majority of people that you met this yeah. year during COVID. Yeah. And it was like through conferences and through the meetups and something that we did in conferences that we noticed that other people weren't doing is that we'd either like snip the screen so we could see everybody's names to reach out after. But when a like Excel sheet or a Google sheet went around and people were putting in their contact info, we were like, nobody is reaching out. Like this is a great area to monopolize, right? So like if the conference, sometimes there were 150 names, like right there, even if I only get 15 people to talk to, like that is worth it because like put doing those emails for two, three hours in order to get that back when nobody else was doing it was just something that we knew we had to do. And yes, writing 150 emails is not exciting. Even copying and pasting that many is not exciting, right? But like yeah. when you're growing a business at the beginning, not a lot of things are like super, super exciting. <laughs> so you met some people, you called them and emailed them afterwards. Is that it? There's the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's how it works. <laughs> well, also, I to not take away anything. You truly had a great conversation. Uh, you try to build a really sincere, genuine relationship over conversation to try to find out what they wanted. And I'm sure those are the, your investors that actually pulled the trigger with you yeah. and then invested. And I say that not to make light of what you did, but for other people to actually understand, like, eh, if you want to raise a bunch of capital, if this is a first, second, third deal, this is what we do. You, you know, you have some conversations and find out who's like-minded. And I had a buddy that uh, <laughs> he's starting a company, really cool company, really great idea. He's like, hey, this is the, you know, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And I, I, and he was like talking to me through the night and he goes, what do you think? And I go, I think it's a great idea. And he goes, do you seriously think of raise some capital? I go, absolutely. Like, I love this idea. It's really good. And he goes, oh, well, I got a software and a tech and this is coming together. And I was like, I, I haven't even heard all that other stuff. And I already like what you're saying. And he goes, do you think we can raise some capital for it? I said, yes. And, and he says, well, what do I have to do? And I go, well, I think you need to get like a, a PowerPoint or presentation, just kind of summarize it, summarize the details. And I think you need to go call 
like a thousand people or have a conversation with like a thousand people. Yeah. And five, two, three percent, your 10 percent is high. And I think that's because you took that personal touch and really understand a little bit uh, in all my sales careers, sales wise, uh, my conversion rate's been like two or three percent, super small. Right. But it's just, you know, it's uh, so talk to a thousand people. You're going to have a couple hundred, maybe that will give you some time. And then out of the two or 300, maybe 10% or so are interested. And then maybe out of that, you know, you have like 50 investors, maybe. And he's like, well, how do I do that? I go, there's like a thousand people you got to go talk to. He's like, how do I do that? I go, I don't know, man. You got to figure that part out. That's the morning, afternoon and night. And it, there's no shortcut to that. You, if you want to find a bunch of people to raise a bunch of capital, you got to go have this big, you know, you have to talk to a bunch of people. You got to make calls. And then you, a bunch of people told you, I want to say no, but they, they didn't move forward. That's okay. Right. They're like, it's not the right time. They'll probably move forward later. And anyways, it's as awesome to hear because it's just the truth. And, uh, you know, you, you did amazing. I'm super excited for you. I'm pumped for you. I'm thankful you spent some time to share your story here. But you know what else too? Cause like, think about it. The people that you talked to at the beginning, how do you maintain that relationship? Right. Because it could be like a couple of months. And so even something to add, because really it's all a great balance, right? Like you have to be looking at deals, but doing investor calls. And then you also have to be putting out like educational content because those investors at the beginning, how else are they going to know that you're still in it? Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what we did was we wrote blog posts and like put that on our website and we sent out a newsletter and then we were posting that on social media as well. So even if they brought you that you guys are doing really good on social media and then you started a podcast too. Yes. Yeah. Even if the people don't read it, they at least see that you're posting and they see that you're still putting out that content. But what we found too, which progressively grew was that like at first blog posts like worked really well, but now like what Michael especially has gotten very heavy on is posting videos, right? Because people can have the volume turned off, but still read like what you're saying and it's visually more stimulating. So you want to watch it. So then we progress to videos and from there, actually at the beginning of the year, we're like, you know, we'll launch a podcast at maybe at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden I was just like, no, like, there is so much impact that needs to be made that we are going to launch a podcast way sooner. And so that's just what we did, right? Like one day on when we were guests on somebody else's podcast, I'm like, you know, if I say it, it has to happen. Like I'm just going to put it into the world for it to occur. And so, yes, I mean, today is May 21st and we will have our podcast launched by June 1st. And it is called the adventures of a real estate investor. And the people that we interview, like our industry experts but they are also creating huge impacts like in their families' lives, in their communities and in communities in other countries. And so just so that people can like truly understand like what impacts can be made while leveraging real estate investing, that's how I guess our podcast was born. Boom. Super, yeah. pumped. <laughs> Super pumped. I'm I'm stoked for you all and y'all continue to crush it. Just keep going. Just well, I know you will continue to show up. So I'm super excited. Is there anything else we didn't cover today that you're hoping to cover something I didn't ask about and uh, we just didn't get to? So I, I'll talk about a little bit more about the video stuff. So, you know, sure. as soon as you mentioned the, the videos that I've been releasing on LinkedIn. And been stuff like good. That, I like them. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. And I've got like a really great response for them. And so because of that as well, you know, we're launching a podcast on June 1st. Well, on June 15th, we're also launching a YouTube channel. So June's going to be a huge month for us. And so, uh, you know, we have like, you know, quite a bit of content recorded and uh, we're going to be rolling out, you know, three videos a week. And uh, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Boom. I love it. So good work. Congratulations. I'm excited to watch your journey and uh, look forward to uh, working with you all in the future. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. And even just for somebody who's wanting to get into the space, like it is really scary to post at the beginning if you're not used to it. But I promise like with practice, it becomes more comfortable and more people will start to read it. Like, and even if only one person reads it, it was worth it. So like, if you're nervous about having that thought leadership platform or putting yourself out there, just continue to do it, right? Because I would have never thought that we were going to have a podcast that grew from one blog post. And so with time, everything grows and it is all worth it in the end. Mm, I love it. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Susie. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining. It's been a pleasure. Truly appreciate it. And again, my name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host of the Five Talents Podcast. I Hope you heard something today that provided some value. I believe it did. I took a bunch of notes myself and I was like super excited. So Michael, Susie, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on. Thank you, Abel. So much fun. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve? Do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast, give us a five-star rating, and most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked, tell us your favorite guests, Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.